Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. Hey Amen. It's good to be here, and uh, we're very thankful. And my name is Chris Lindbergh, and my wife Sherry, if you guys could stand. And uh, it's good to have them. They're the younger half of the family. And our, our older daughter, she comes here some, and she's in her third year going for her fourth year nursing. And she just loves that. And she uh, tells us things that nurses do. And I don't want to hear those things. <laughs> and she is so excited if she gets to give a, a catheter, if I can say that. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, my little girl, what are you doing? But uh, um, so we, we farm up in the, up three hours north of here, we farm. and. Uh, we've, I've been farming since I was out of school, and I just want to share a little bit, and then I want to share a word that I want to speak to you. And you know when I, actually we were at a Bible camp in Dixonville this weekend for a little bit, and a little bit more conservative than some of you guys are, but you know I was a little kid at that Bible camp, and I know that God spoke to me, and he said, when you grow up, you're going to be a missionary. And that word wouldn't leave me alone. And I tried, I promise you, I tried for that to leave me. I tried for God to leave me alone. And I thought I was doing well at it. And in the process, you know, my father and my grandfather were farmers. So it was easy for me to want to be a farmer. But I actually had an, an ulterior motive. My motive was to establish a farm so God couldn't get a hold of me. And uh, I had heard that, you know, as a kid, you hear different things. And I heard as a kid that God, not God, the armies in like the First World War, the Second World War, they never drafted the farmers because they needed to grow food. And so my brain got this idea that God will have to leave me alone. So I tried hard to uh, establish the biggest farm. And yeah, there's bigger farmers than us, but God has blessed what we've done. And it's been about 11 years ago that we as a family, and specifically myself, I had to decide if I was really going to surrender to God or if I was going to continually try to run from Him. I was in church. I was even involved on a church board. And I was involved, don't get me wrong. But the reality was my heart was running from what God was drawing me into. And, and I never felt worthy. I never felt qualified. I... You know, I never thought that I could, you know, I, ne I, I just seen myself in the natural and I had no concept of what God can do with a person. So I just thought I was going to have to surrender to God based on my skills. And I knew they weren't very good. And I just wished that, you know, and so I ended up going into Africa, into Zambia, and it was a very overwhelming experience. And just little by little, I, God started taking me on a journey. And uh, just the very first time I went into Africa, Zambia, we would pray for the sick in villages and very rural settings. And we would sleep very much the way the local people would sleep. And we would eat the food they would eat. And um, I, we were in a village church. And I know part of the roof wasn't on the building. It was basically some walls. And I remember as a young man, 
there was a boy came to me and there was a few of us. I wasn't by myself. There was a few of us. There was a group. And this boy came to me and wanted me to pray for him. And I never knew what the problem was. And he runs out the back of the village church. And I didn't know what happened. So I kind of run out after him to uh, find out what he was doing. And somebody was there that could help me interpret uh, our language barrier. And apparently he told me he couldn't run before. And the moment I reached out to touch him, he was running on his new feet. And so I don't, when I experienced that, I can't tell you what I saw when he came up, but that's what I was told in that moment. And I said, Lord, is that what you were looking for? That is different than what I was expecting. Lord, what is it that you actually are looking and drawing people um, to, to do? What is it that you are asking of me? And, uh, you know, a few times I would, they would try to give me the mic to speak to a village church. And, you know, maybe I would get to speak for a couple of minutes. And a couple of times I thought it was good. And sometimes it felt like it was really bad. And... Uh, but the Lord wouldn't let me out of it, and he kept drawing me. And so I've been to, Af- to I've, I was told we can't just say Africa, so I've been to Zambia and Malawi and South Africa and Kenya, and I've been to some countries, and I've been to India about nine times, and a few other places of the world as well. And God has allowed just, I realized that I can't say no anymore based on my ability and what I think I'm capable of. Because when we really believe the word of God, that he wants to dwell in us, we have to stop looking at what we're capable of and what he is capable of. And that changes everything. So I realize that if I look at my life according to what I'm capable of, I'm actually in um, arrogance because I'm looking at what I'm capable of. But if I look at what God is capable of, that's a totally different picture. Does that understand? So if you say that, God, I could never do that, you're actually in arrogance. Can I say that? Because you're basing what God's called you to do based on your ability and not his. And so I had sometimes, there's a few of those times when we took some kind of crazy leaps of faith and I kind of shudder myself about what I would say a few times. And then I would see God. It seemed like he would come through. And I, I, I was in Malawi, Africa in a couple of times this winter. But the one time in particular, we had a big crowd, but it just seemed like the attention wasn't there. And all of a sudden, I felt the Lord tell me, speak about Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And, and today, you're going to... Anyone that needs healing, you're going to pray for them. And we're going to see if God answers by fire, by healing. And if God doesn't answer by healing, then he's actually no God at all. And I thought, Lord, am I even allowed to say this? Is this, is this something you, is this something? And I really, so I went for it. And uh, there was a young, uh, there was a man that jumped up. He was the first one that came in the crowd to, to uh And so after I just prayed from the front, I never laid my hands on anyone. And just from the front, before I knew anything that happened, I asked this guy, you got to come up on the platform and tell us what happened. And I had no idea if anything happened or not. And he had told me that he had been injured a few years ago. And just that quick, he just felt the power of God go right through him. And he started jumping on the stage showing how he got healed in that moment. 
And I just like, God, you know, the Lord is looking for us to trust him beyond our natural realm, beyond our self-made safety nets. Now, there is a place of knowing God that I understand there's, there's wisdom and there's lots about the word about wisdom and trying to navigate if it's the right time. And I understand that. But there's those times when we have to step out beyond what can make sense in the natural. And it's amazing how many times we see God show up in the strongest ways in those moments. So Pastor Charlotte had asked me a title, and I'm Farmer Chris, and I'm, that's a good title for me. <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, I'm sure God has put titles on us. I know that. But ultimately, I, I'm happy with, with that title, and I'm happy to drive my tractor and put in a crop, and I'm happy to be a businessman in my community in that setting and up in Manning and actually Deadwood now or particular well it's always been Deadwood but we might as well say Deadwood because that's where we do this event that we've uh, been hosting so on the video this is going to be our fifth season and through the process of our life and different people that we had met and my farm back my farming and this South African prophet and I believe I mean titles or not, but I believe that God really spoke to this guy, and I went to a conference in New York somewhere, and he called me out of a crowd, and he said, God has called you and anointed you, and he's prepared you to arrange a prayer gathering that'll go, go to 1,000, 10,000, and then even use this word 100,000 people, and I don't know where that's going to go, but all I knew is Tanner was with me, and all I knew that God was speaking. That's what I knew, and and he spoke a bunch of other things to us, to us. And he said, it's going to be the largest prayer gathering. It's the largest thing Canada's ever seen. You know, and I don't know. I, I don't know what that fully looks like. Because, but we, I realized we wrestled with this. And what do we do with this? And in our hearts, we knew this was God speaking. We knew this was God because I was saying, Lord, I don't want another prophetic word. Because it seemed like the prophets loved to speak to me. I said, Lord, I don't want another word unless it's something that really gives me direction. And all of a sudden, I got this. And so we decided to buy a tent before really we had done very much in, in Canada. And I actually wanted to buy bigger than we bought. And I was wrestling, looking at these tent sizes. And we ended up buying a tent that is 76 feet wide and 136 feet long. So this, the stamp on it claims it'll hold 1,000 people. It would be pretty full to be 1,000, but that, that's what they rate it for is 1,000. And in my heart, I'm believing that this is the summer that we're going to reach the 1,000. And whether we do or don't, I just... I, I believe it is time, and, and I started thinking maybe those numbers that he told me, maybe that's seasons, whatever it looks like. I'm not trying to be stuck on numbers, but what I realize is numbers are people. Numbers are you guys. Numbers matter to God. You know, like, and sometimes there's people that I show up that I don't even know. I look, where did you guys come from? Where did you hear of this event? And like last summer, we've had four or 500 people the whole time and out in Deadwood. And so some from Edmonton and Fort St. John and Dawson Creek and, and people from areas that I, I just wonder how God draws them. And so 
I do believe that Canada does need a wake-up call. You know, I was a younger person, and we used to hear of a preacher come to Manning, and he had gone to India a bunch of times, and he shared testimonies about miracles in India that this guy would pray for people and they were getting healed and there was these long prayer lineups and it seemed like everybody they prayed for was healed and it was an incredible story and I love the dear old man he's passed away now but it wasn't brought into a sense that this could be something in Canada you know he had experienced this somewhere else And I think so often we believe God is a God of miraculous and power in the supernatural somewhere else that we don't live. I even had somebody messaging me from somewhere in South America and they said, does God work differently in Africa? No, you're in one of those places, buddy. You're in one of those places. But I, my very first prayer to God, when I started going on a journey, I said, Lord, I don't want to experience you in a supernatural way in some other place. But when we come home, it's only a story. And we have to live out our life like God is somehow different in Canada than he is in any other place of the world. And I know that was a few years ago. I was in a service in in our local community. And that was something God put in my heart so strongly I am not different abroad than I am right here. And you know, that really did something to my heart and my faith. That I think sometimes if you've heard those stories of God moving in incredible ways, some other country, enjoy those stories, but recognize he is the same God here. We are not better off. I've had many Indian friends that want to come to Canada because somehow Canada is this amazing country. And I tell them, you don't want to come to Canada. Canada will kill your faith. You don't want to come to Canada unless you really, really are called by God because they don't realize what they have. We have a great country, but we're not the only great country. God, there's a lot of hungry people in the world And we might not hear it on the news, and we might not know how much God is moving in India, but I've seen God do more in India than I could ever imagine. And I don't even like the crowds. I don't even like the traffic. I don't like going to India. But when you see God move in those ways, I'll say, God, I'll go anywhere. And sometimes we're not all called to go to India. I understand that. But what has God called each one of us to do? And... um, you know, I was thinking about this summer and, and the purpose of our of these services. And, you know, I, I don't want to just gather people. I, I, want, I want it to be a purpose. I, I, want it, I want it to be a genuine reason. Like, why would somebody drive three hours from a nice city where you can enjoy the lake? We're asking you to come and give up your August. Well, it's not quite August, but the August long weekend. I mean, that's a big deal to not be able to go fishing that weekend and uh, come and sit around and, and, and be involved in some of us, you know. But I was thinking about it, and in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul is talking to Timothy. The Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy, and in verse 6, Paul is telling him, and he says, I remind you, to stir into flames, to rekindle, to re, 
reestablish the gift of God that is in you. So I realized right away that we are responsible for the gift of God that is in us. I've heard so many people talk about how they pray for a move of God, but they are not doing anything about being part of the move of God. Does that make sense? So Paul is reminding Timothy. And then the verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. So Paul is even reminding Timothy what spirit he has been given. So right now, if, if it just seems like fear is the easiest thing to come to you, I want to remind you God has not given us a spirit of fear. But then it says, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And I think about the church today. You know, we kind of have different groups of church people. We have, can I say, the charismatics. And sometimes we are the most hungry for the power. Who, you know, and you understand. And then you have those that are about love. They don't want power. No, 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 God doesn't. God can heal me if he wanted to, but it's up to God. And we kind of place that something like this, but we kind of go after the love and the fellowship. But we really don't want to touch power. And we don't want to be held by the last portion. It says of self-control or a sound mind. You can read different trans the way they translate it. So sometimes we are very much about living a self-controlled, self-disciplined, character-changing life, which is important, but we might leave the love and we might leave the power. And I, and I believe that the Lord wants to do something, number one, to get rid of any spirit of fear that maybe has crept in over the last few years. But, but, but then to help empower us with power, love, and a sound mind, or self-control, or self-discipline. I have someone that helps me in grain marketing, and, the, and I was talking with him, and he gets up at 4.07 every morning, like 4.07. I'm like, what? And he, he, spends time in, he spends time in devotional. He goes to the gym. He, you know, he does it. So he's had half a day before he goes to work. But I would say that is somebody with self-control. There's a sound mind. And, you know, I don't usually get up at 4.07. Normally I don't. And uh, so, but sometimes we might realize we can be very much with God in our walk with God. Very much about maybe loving the brotherhood, which the Bible shares very clearly. We can be very much about power, wanting the power of God to heal the sick. But sometimes I've seen people operate in tremendous power, but it's like they don't have any love for people. And the power becomes, a, becomes their show. And it's like, that's what turns people off. And... But God wants us to desire power. So that isn't wrong. But the power has got to be so that for love for people. So that we have, there's a, that God-given love onto people. 
And we're willing to have brothers and we're willing to have mentors in our lives. And Pastor Paul is one of them for me that can speak to us and say, I'm not sure about your walk there. Does your walk need a little bit of refinement? Because if we're going to carry these things with God, man, our lives should demonstrate the good things of God. And we should allow ourselves to be totally transformed inside of us. So we are not, so we just starting to have more and more power over temptation. So we are not just people tossed by the world. And as the world tries to throw ideas and thoughts at us, tries to throw condemnation at us, tries to throw all the thinking that the world wants to have, we need to be people of sound mind that goes, no, 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 I'm not going there. I still know the difference between a boy or a girl. I still know the difference between so many things today. You know, I still realize there's right and wrong. There's still absolutes. Some things have been wrong and they've always been wrong and they always will be wrong. And it's not to condemn the person. But I tell you, somebody that's living in a lifestyle that is contrary to God's word, more and more I realize that it just destroys them. And so the people like to challenge us and say, you are just judgmental and we can be, it's possible. But the reality is, is right is right and wrong is wrong because when we live in wrong, it destroys us. And the devil, how many people live in rebellion to God all their life and die happy? Who do you see that does that? Die fulfilled, die with their purpose of life. You don't see that. And the devil doesn't want us to see that. And so, you know, as people come or as whatever we do, if you come or not, but I think we're, the church, we needed, maybe we needed to be in a season that challenges us. We needed to be in a season that decides, is there right and wrong? Is there such thing as, as sin today? I've heard messages that sin seems to be irrelevant today and it doesn't matter. And, and, and you're just like, that is so confusing. What, what do you, don't go there. And it's just there to destroy us. You know, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Chapter 2, verse 4. I was in chapter 1. Verse chapter 2. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. So do you see that? God has entrusted us with the gospel. And I know you guys know that here. It's very evident you've understood the fact that you've taken on the concept that God has actually entrusted us with the gospel. And until we take that responsibility and recognize that the responsibility of the gospel rests on those of us that believe. If we don't want to take responsibility for what it is to have the gospel on our life, we, 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 are, we are running from God. We are running from God. God is looking for people that will recognize and stand and say, I'll take responsibility for the gospel. I need, we have to take it. We have to. It tells us that, you know, in Acts chapter 8, 
verse 4 to 8, we read a story about Philip. And Philip was one of the deacons in the New Testament church. And so Philip wasn't one of the disciples. He was one of the deacons. And, and as you read about that, the deacons were there to wait on tables because the disciples were needing to spend time in prayer and the word. And I could imagine the disciples were trying to understand some of the word because every, their whole world was shifting after the death and resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The disciples were just like God and they just needed to understand. So when they spoke, they spoke clearly God's word. And it was so important in that season that they got a proper understanding of the word and in prayer. So Philip is one of the guys called to be an, an usher in the church. He's one of the guys that, he, um, he's one of the, to, to help out. And all of a sudden he goes off to Samaria and it says great revival followed him and the people marveled at the miracles that he did. So, you know, I, I don't want to say that we possess God's power on our own strength or anything like that. But Philip understood that God had given him the Holy Spirit and given him this power, given him this message of the gospel. And so he went off to Samaria and he preached the gospel. People got healed. Demons got cast out. And the people marveled at Philip. And it says in the Bible that the people marveled. At, at the things Philip did. And I think sometimes we get very scared of that because we don't want to say, well, no, no, that's God. And yes, it is God. It is God's power on Philip's life. 100% he had to have God's power through his spirit. So he wasn't God and he wasn't trying to pretend to be God, but he recognized that he was given something. So now he had a responsibility to use it. And you know, everybody is different. We're not all like Philip. You're not all called to go different places, but we're all called to be responsible for what God has given each one of us. We're all called to be responsible for people around us. There's people that the church can't reach, and it's your life that will reach. You know, there's people that my life can't reach and that you can reach. Because we've all been given up people around us that we are responsible for. And if we can take that, and it can be a little bit scary to, to accept that, but we realize that we actually are called to be responsible for the gospel. You know, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, that we are ambassadors for God. We are ambassadors. And could you imagine an ambassador is sent from one country to represent that country, and yet they have no authority? That would be crazy. They're not the, they're not the leader of that country, but they represent the country. So we aren't, I want to be clear, we're not God. But we are representatives or ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And he went off to leave us to be his representative and his ambassador here on earth. And so the more we can see that, we realize that the very life of Jesus, he wants now to come through our lives. And we can start to believe God and trust God that the things we read about Jesus, we can start to see coming through our lives as well.
Because if God called us to be an ambassador for Jesus and yet never gave us the tools to do it, that just would be completely unfair. So as a farmer, we have big tractors. The world has changed a lot. I've been in other countries where they still use a hoe and it's manual labor and nobody has a tractor. So we're, it's incredible to watch people and they got two acres of land. I would tire out. I'm sure I couldn't hoe two acres and plant maize. They call it, we call it corn, but they call it maize. It's all by hand, everything by hand. So they reuse a different tool than we get to use here. So if my tool is bigger, maybe I'm responsible to do more. So with all the tools on my farm, I have to farm more than two acres or it won't work. It, I will go bankrupt. It cannot work. But if I have more tools, we can do more. And God wants to give us tools so we can do more in our Christian lives as well. And I think it's okay to ask God to give us more tools. Give me a bigger tractor. You know, I've got a 500 or a 550 horse tractor. Maybe I should upgrade my tractor. Maybe I need a bigger one yet. But in our lives, we sometimes need to go through seasons and say, Lord, Lord, give me a bigger tractor. Give me a bigger tool. Give me a bigger place of reliance on you by your spirit so that you can use my life to touch more people. Because you know, when we first get saved, and if you're first here and you don't really know the Lord, it's an incredible story that the Lord wants to take and transform, transform our life and give us Jesus' life. It's an incredible story. But once we've been given the, 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 the freedom and the forgiveness and the life of Jesus, once that's been transferred and given onto us, and then it tells us we need to grow up and it's time now to start using that for this world. And um, many people have different ideas for this earth, for our country and how to see it changed. And I believe there's a place to fight for politics and I believe there's a place for dealing with high realms of, of government. But, but I think my heart and the purpose for it is time that I believe it is to touch our own hearts, our own individual lives, so that we go home and, and we change and, and we live differently among our neighbors. We, we, uh, we might vote differently. We might talk to people differently. We represent God differently. And all of a sudden, through that means that it starts to spread. And on the grassroots level, I believe that is where we're called to really affect and touch people's lives. And um, as we've started and gone forth, and just we've seen it grow every year, even through COVID, we even made it in the Toronto newspaper, Vancouver newspaper. It wasn't so... Um, they were trying to get us, but actually more and more people came the following year. And so it's incredible. You can actually research Deadwood prayer gathering and you can find some stories about us um, from a couple years ago. But thank God it was okay. You know, the Bible, as I started off in that verse, power, love, and self-control. Acts 1.8 
but you will receive power and you probably understand. We need to have a very important priority on receiving God's power so we don't just try to go out and serve God in our own strength. That's very important. It's so important because God truly wants to give it to each one of us. And then, you know, in John chapter 13, 34 and 35, it talks about love. And it says that we need to, we'll be people known to love each other. So if we are a people that are very selfish and, in, selfish and independent and really don't care about people around us, we need to transform that. And that's why on our place, not just preaching and worship, we, we provide food for everybody because you can't all run to Tim Hortons. And so we realized if we're going to do an event on our farm, we got some Mennonites cooking and they've been impacted as well. It's been amazing. And um, so everybody comes and sits down and eats together. And I feel that that's as important as anything else, that we rub shoulders with each other and we learn where they're from and friendships have been made. And that's, as, that's so important. And, and then... You know, it says in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28, it says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. I just found that so... Proverbs are just so interesting. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Or maybe a country nowadays that has no army. You know... Ukraine without the West helping to back them up. A person without self-control, we just are become vulnerable and every wave of this, every temptation gets us. We just don't have any strength to resist anything. So we really somehow through it all, we want to believe that it helps to build us and, and change us and to help build into us a level of self-control so we can be steadfast people and that really people can look to us and we can even be almost like arrogant, but I don't want to be arrogant, but where we don't get scared if someone watches our life. Yeah. You know, I heard so many people complain that they say people like to scrutinize Christians and they just try to see if we mess up. And yes, we can have our struggles. I, I know that. And yes, I, I can do things. And, but somehow through it all, we need to be willing to be open people. We need to be willing to be open. You know, before I ever started to speak, I never understood. I was on the board. I was a chairman of a board even, if you could believe that. But I couldn't, if I would do a devotional for a meeting, I couldn't go beyond a devotional that I would read. I would simply read that. I couldn't add two words beyond that. And I never understood. I just... And I realized I had a veil over my heart. And you can read about a veil in the Bible. I, I didn't want anybody to see inside because I, I wasn't in a good shape. I wasn't good inside. So I, I was struggling. So I, I never had the freedom to be able to speak because I realized I had a veil over me. And you know, I, I come to realize that so often when we don't have the freedom to talk, that we, we become veiled. And in Christ, he can forgive us. In Christ, he can change us. In Christ, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 
is it eight? It, it talks about the veil being taken away. In Christ, there's a veil that many of us can have when we become closed people and we don't want people into our worlds. You can even come to church. But if we kind of have people boxed out of our life and we really don't want anyone to know what we're really like, I want to challenge you and say, you know, there's a veil over your heart that the Lord wants to remove today. Maybe it's a process, maybe it's just today, but there's a veil that the Lord wants to take over off of your heart so you can be free. Amen. You know, as Christians, we need to be able to be free. And if we're not free, there's something that's bottling us back. Would you agree? And sometimes we don't understand. And that's why we hear the word. That's why we hear people to help us understand what is holding us back. And you know, you watch worship and you watch a worship leader and I know they're incredibly gifted and talented and I'm sure they even practice. But even all of that, it's because there's a veil that's been removed. You could practice forever, but if you are doing it out of a veiled place, you will never break through free into a freedom. You just won't do it. And so today, the Lord, like never before, we're facing a time in our country where we need to live with our veils removed. We need to live allowing God to be exposed through our daily life and that everyone without even trying will just know there's something different. You must believe something different. And we shouldn't be scared of someone looking at our life. Because the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And we must wrestle with that passage. We must wrestle with it and say, Lord, that scares me. But somehow help me, Lord, live my life that I can tell others if you want to know who God is, if you want to know how to follow God, if you want to know how to get to know God, follow my life and I promise it'll lead you to him. We must embrace that. It'll scare us. It'll challenge us. us but it's what we need today. It's what we need today. It's what the world, I believe, is looking for. And so I guess those are some of the things that we are believing God is going to do this summer. And, um, you know, we have lots of room for tenting. And I bought a mower, I bought a 15-foot mower now, a gyro mower behind a tractor. So if there's more people that come than we have space for, we will start mowing down our wheat if you're there. I'm not going to mow down my wheat unless we have to. But we've got quite a bit of space. And you guys know wheat prices are higher. But if all of a sudden there's a lot of people coming, we'll start mowing down the wheat. Because we just have to make a way. We just can't be bottlenecked. And, and I believe that, you know, I've, I was in Malawi and I just was texted yesterday. There's 900 pastors that want me to come back and do seminars with them. And I'm like, God, this is too much for me. And I've, we've had 500 pastors come and I was teaching them for two or three days. And then we did crusades. The last time, the one place had 9,000 people and just people coming. And I'm just like, God. We're not meant to do this alone. And this is more than my, my journey. This is all of our journeys. 
There's a hungry people. And I believe that there's a way to break through in Canada to see all of that here as well. You know, I believe that. You know, a few years ago, I came in and we had, we had a poster. My son made up a poster. Now our stuff is more online. But our poster almost identically resembled the book of Pastor Charlotte's book about Esther. And that was like very significant. And I was like, God, there is something going on here. Something God is doing. And so, as today we are here, I don't know what all is entailed. I don't know. But God does. And God knows that we all have different callings. But I think it is time to embrace our own callings. It took me till 40 years old to finally say, yes, God, and I'm still navigating. But until I was 39 or 40, I was saying, God, you leave that alone. You leave me alone, God. And I'm saying, Lord, I don't know how, but if you think you want to use me, I'll do what it takes. What else do I do? And it, isn't, it is time for all of us to embrace our callings. If you don't know, ask God. If you don't know, ask the pastor. If you don't know, somebody will tell you. If you don't know, get into a relationship with God. He'll show you. So, Lord, I just thank you, God, today. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you are moving in this country. That you're moving in this city. Lord, you are moving within people's lives here in this place. And Lord, we're asking you, God, that you don't let us get comfortable where we are. But for each and every one of us, you would continually draw us and raise us into deeper things, Lord. Lord, may you impact each one of our lives more. Lord God, may, may you, may you allow us to trust you, Lord, in greater measures than we've ever known that we could possibly do. Lord, help us not to look at ourselves and what we are capable of individually. But Lord, you would help us to look at you and what you, God, are capable of. And that that is what we would believe for. Lord, I thank you again for this city and this church. I thank you, God, for people that believe in us. Lord, I thank you for Pastor Paul that believes in me. And Lord, I thank you for every person that has someone that believes in them. And most of all, God, you, you, Lord, you are believing in us. And as I've done anywhere in the world, I have to pray for the sick. And, and Lord, as you've called me to just, just pray. You don't even have to lay your hands on people. And more and more, we just pray right where people are. And God, you just heal. And so, Lord, in this place, Lord God, people that I know somebody here, I thought of it when I come in, in that they're struggling with blood in their urine. So in Jesus' name, Lord, that there's healing. That's, that's been on and off for a while. On and off, on and off. And they want to go and testing for cancer and on and off. 
And Lord, in the name of Jesus, that that is healed today. Lord, there's... God, you are the same anywhere in the world. And Lord, there's hernias. I, uh, there's a hernia that somebody would never even tell anyone what they're going through. It's, it's, it's personal. But in the name of Jesus, we say healing in Jesus' name. Lord, there's broken hearts. There's people here that just feel so alone and feel so forgotten, feel so unloved. And in the name of Jesus, that you would bring healing and love and purpose to their hearts in Jesus' name. There's a few people that have been prayed for so many times to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and especially through speaking in tongues. In the name of Jesus, that'll be yours today. In the name of Jesus, that's your spirit would just fill them, just just overpower them and just loose their tongue. Just give them a place of of purpose and power and overwhelming by your spirit this morning. Someone with a left knee and I think there's a surgery coming up for a left knee and the cartilage is kind of gone. In the name of Jesus, you would just reach in and take away the pain. You would just reach in and just make it a hole. It would just just feel like a butter knife just covering some toast. It would just it would just smooth in. It would just you just even feel the goodness and the warmth and the healing right now just into that knee. Lord, even backs and backs and headache problems and ears and eyes and any kind of cancers and allergies and asthmas and in the name of Jesus, God, for your healing in all this in Jesus' name. And Lord God, for anyone here that just says, Jesus, I need you to forgive me. I need you to be Lord of my life. In the name of Jesus, you would help them to do that and surrender, surrender, surrender our lives to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I feel like the Lord is saying there's people that have contended and, and strived and strived and strived. And, and it's going to be like some weights are going to fall off of you. And you're not going to feel like you have to strive and contend. But all of a sudden, you're just going to walk in and step in. And you're going to realize you're doing the things you've contended for and pushed for for so long. And all of a sudden, you're going to realize that this walk with God is easy, even though it, it takes our all. And all of a sudden, we're going to see the things coming through our lives that we've been believing for and just pushing for. I thank you, God. We thank you, God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Wow, so good. Can we just get you guys to come stand at the front, and I'm going to ask uh, Pastor George, Pastor Brian Linda, just to come around you, Wayne, if you would too. We just want to be praying for this family this summer. 
so I'll, I'll go up on stage, but you guys pop down there. So just gather around them. If you guys would stretch out your hands towards them, we want to bless them as they step out this summer. It's a big thing. You know, I think it's so amazing how Jesus said, um, pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest field. And I think there's something very significant about the fact that this happens on a farm, <laughs> right? That there are actual laborers in a harvest field that are declaring the, the voice of the Lord over the real harvest. And so this gathering is about releasing laborers into the harvest field. And there will be a gathering of people that are going to realize for the first time that they actually are harvesters, that they've been called to be harvesters. And so God, today, we just thank you for this family. We thank you, Lord, for a couple who's been willing to say yes to you, a family that's been willing to open their hearts and their lives under scrutiny, God, to just be vessels of yours, vessels of honor for your purposes. And Lord, right now, we just come behind them. And Lord, we thank you for the apostolic agreement that we have even in the spirit, Lord, how you've knit our hearts and our callings together and the purpose for um, the, the north, Lord, in this province. And God, we thank you for the sound that's meant to come out. And Lord, we thank you that as they gather, as they even prepare the soil, they prepare the land um, for a month from now, God, as people gather. I thank you, God, that there will be such an anointing even on the mowing, on the food purchasing, God, on the tent setting up, on the whole bit. Lord, there'd be such a sense of your presence. And I thank you, Lord, that you are excited about this, that you are anticipating what you have planned, God. And Lord, we pray blessing over their household. We thank you for provision of all things, Lord. We thank you, God, for every need met according to your hand and your supply. We thank you for supernatural health and ability, God, that you strengthen them from the inside out, from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, that they're able to do this as though they were even 20 years younger physically, God. I thank you, Lord, for um, Lord rising to that place, God, that you renew their strength and you cause them to mount up on wings as eagles. They run and they are not weary. They walk and they are not faint. And God, we come into agreement with what Chris has even shared this morning, that you are the same God, whether it's in a country on the other side of the world or it's right here. And we believe for signs, wonders, miracles, the fire of God being released from this place and this location. And God, we declare over their land that it belongs to you, God, even as they've dedicated it to you. Lord, may it be fruitful and increased, God. And even as they sow into the spiritual harvest, we pray for a bounty physical harvest as well, God, that they would be fruitful and multiplied even in this year, that this would be a season of growth and development for them. And we just thank you for them. We bless them today, God, and we look forward to what you have planned through them and for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.